0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Broken Banquet, a podcast about missions. We are your hosts, Will Bailey and Dr. Ashley Goad, and we are so glad that you have joined us for another conversation about the church and missions, about what healthy mission relationships can look like, and as we hear from others who have dedicated their lives in one way or another to mission work. We're so glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Will. How are you?
1: I'm really good. How are
0: you? Um, I'm good. I'm a little banged up. <laughs> I'm good.
1: Uh-oh. What yeah. happened?
0: Um, well, you know about my long early morning bike rides that I do. And mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm training right now for a, a, it's called a century ride because it's 100 miles or oh my gosh. 100, 160 kilometers. Oh, my and it's uh, it's coming up in about a month, and so I've been doing a lot of those long early morning rides because I want to. I know I'll finish it, but like I don't want to feel like I'm dying um, as I finish it. So I'm really trying to to prepare.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And a few days ago, I was riding with a friend, and we we'd done about uh, 40 miles, and we're planning on doing about 10 more. And. Well, basically the equation is 25 miles an hour, wet road and curve. Oh no. Yeah. It did not end well. Um, and I'm fine and it was bound to happen. It's actually the first crash I've had. I've been cycling for about 10 years and it's the first, the first time I've really gone down, but I did. Yeah. And you know, slid and and then had to travel the next day to the united states so that was great i kind of banged up my knuckles on my hands and so i've never been so aware of having knuckles as i am now because every time you know my hand goes in my pocket or whatever it it inevitably it hits something that hurts
1: oh will i'm so sorry Other
0: than that, I'm great. I rode yesterday for the first time since I fell and felt really good and rode about 40 miles at about the speed I usually ride at. So I'm glad I don't have to, you know, bail on the race, but it was just kind of a bummer.
1: Well, thank God you're okay. Thank God you don't have major broken bones and hopefully the road rash will uh, heal soon.
0: Yep, it will. And, And, you know. I have a story to tell. The guy I was riding with, congratulating me on getting my first trophy, uh, my first cycling trophy. So you know, oh, that's okay.
1: awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah,
0: yeah. How about you? What you up to?
1: You know, um, I, we got past the budget, ended the budget year in 2022, so we hit off with 2023, and I decided that since COVID is over, I need to get back into the the swing of things. I Wait, need to. COVID's start- over. well for me anyway for right now i just had it so at least i'm not gonna have it for a while um here's open anyway Uh, but yeah so i sat down with a calendar and i planned out five trips in five months so i have a trip going up to see our favorite ugandan family uh in january here in a couple of weeks um i will have the holy land trip in february i'm coming to costa rica in march Yay. to see my favorite costa ricans and then uh, hop across the pond over to see Stefania jessica uh and spend a little time in croatia and then uh in may we're gonna go to el salvador and hang with samuel and his parents and their church there and see what kind of sister church partnership we can set up so that's awesome. pretty stoked.
0: Well, I know the church in Shreveport has been happy to have you there, you know, consistently for so long. But I also know that this is the Ashley that we know and love, is the one that you're never really sure where in the world she is at any given moment. And I know that feels good for you to be able to get back to cultivating those relationships in the way that you're used to.
1: Yes, but I do have to admit I am way out of practice, like super out of practice, trying to uh, trip plan for five different trips at the same time with all the logistics that goes into it. That used to be just easy peasy, mm-hmm. but now, holy cow, what in the world? Come, I am way out, out of, of work practice. At it, huh? Yeah, little rusty, little rusty. Yeah.
0: Well, I know you're glad and I know that the people that you're gonna be visiting are glad as well. So
1: I'm I'm really, really excited. And also my husband's gonna come with me on a lot of it. So mm-hmm. I'm very happy that he will get to see so many places and people that I love. So it'll be great. So can
0: we just take a minute to celebrate uh me not having broken bones and you traveling again? Woohoo! Hey
1: Who have we got on the podcast today, Will?
0: So actually, today, we are talking to the Branhams, Rob and Lynn Branham, in Australia. and before we get into their interview, I just want to take a second and acknowledge something. Uh, we've done a, a bunch of interviews so far. Mm-hmm. I think both you and I have been pleasantly surprised by how honest everybody has been with us, you know when they're sharing things about their their journey into ministry and their time in the mission field. And it's not always easy. And I'm so thankful that this isn't a, a podcast about just all the mountaintop feel-good experiences, but that it's real because a lot of missions and a lot of ministry and you know just life is it's not always a mountaintop. There are lots and lots of valleys. Mm-hmm. And there are times when it's really hard to see your way out of those valleys. And so I just want to take a a minute to acknowledge the people who are in ministry, people who are on church staffs and and maybe listen to this podcast who have gone through those seasons, just for them to hear us say that we see you and we know how challenging those moments can be. And we're so thankful for them for struggling through those seasons and for for, uh, being faithful to their call to to ministry and to church work and to people. So I just wanted to to take a minute to say that before we get into this interview, because this was one in particular where they really shared some personal stuff and just thankful for that.
1: Amen. One word to describe Rob and Lynn is authentic. And mm-hmm. you get to see the authentic versions of themselves. I don't think they have the ability to be anything but who they are. And mm-hmm. I hope that our listeners will truly connect with them and connect their souls with each other. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that we have cultivated such a friendship with them that we've all uh, had this trust that we could have honest, authentic conversation with each other.
0: Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, the Branhams. Hey, Will. Hey, Ashley.
1: Hello, Robin. Lynn. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to the Broken Banquet Podcast. We are so excited that you all are here today.
2: Yeah, we're excited to be here.
1: I was trying to think of the first time that I met you all, and I think it was in 2018, and I was with a guy named John Woodward, which seems to be the beginning of a lot of stories I tell.
0: This is how every podcast starts, is Ashley saying, the first time I met you was in whatever year, and I was with John Woodward.
1: It does seem to be that he is a connector. I believe that he was the one that had brought me over And we stayed there in Newcastle for a few days and got to spend time with you and your family and Katie, your daughter, Charlie, your dog, and uh, felt just an immediate, wonderful family connection. But I will say my favorite memory of you all is that we had, it was the next year and we were all in New Zealand together Mm -hmm. and we were at maybe a mall or a grocery store and the three of us decided, you know what? They can just go grocery shopping. We'll just sit here together. And we sat and we had a conversation. And it just felt like being back with family even after we had met just one time.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I wanted to just say that to both of you all that from the moment go, I felt like we were family.
2: Yeah, we felt that way too. I think um, just having people come to visit us and spend time with us and have conversations with us, those are very special times and uh, we don't get very many visitors, especially visitors who are really wanting to know what we're doing and very interested in, in what God's doing in Australia. Those are all very special moments and uh, I think that really drew us to you guys and certainly made for a great starting point of that relationship. So. Mm. It That's felt great.
3: very comfortable from the get-go. Mm-hmm. I agree, Ashley. Yeah.
0: So for the benefit of our listeners who also would like to know uh, who you are and get to know you guys a little bit, can you, can you just sort of briefly introduce yourselves? Who are you and, and what is it that you're doing there in Australia?
2: Yeah. Well, I'm Rob. I'm Lynn. <laughs> We're the Branhams. Yeah. Quickly, we have three children, five grandchildren, and one dog. So there you got it. <laughs> you got it all. Um, and uh, we work in Australia. We have worked in a variety of different places, uh, done pastoral and church work. Um, we've worked in the Midwest United States for a while, and then we worked in Alaska for a while. And then from Alaska, we came to Australia in 2007 and have been involved here in Australia in uh, yeah, church planting work and Developing community ministries that will uh, share Jesus with the community, and our connection with Australia is Lynn is Australian, so uh, she grew up here in Newcastle where we live. As a matter of fact, we are living in your in your childhood home. Yeah. So uh, she feels very much at home here, and and over the years, I've I've really grown to call Australia home, as the song says.
1: I was getting ready to give your address because yours is the only physical mailing address that I know off the top of my head. And I was like, oh, yeah, at da 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 -da Avenue (laughs) in New South Wales, Charleston.
0: (laughs) So one of the things that I'd love to hear a little bit more from you guys about is your sort of your circuitous journey to Australia. And the thing that that to me is really interesting about that is – is the the dynamic of the fact that for Lynn it was a homecoming, and for Rob it was a you know sort of a going to the ends of the earth kind of of moment. And one of the things that we've talked about already in some other episodes is sort of the idea of invitation um, in the mission context, and and you know what my experience of being invited, in, invited, which is a word that I just. Made <laughs> <up>. <laughs> my experience of being invited into this particular community. Um, And, and so we've talked to some others about that. I think your situation is, is unique because you're coming into the community. Like I said, was a homecoming. Lynn didn't need an invitation to to come home. So can you share a little bit about just what that sort of that journey to Australia was like for you guys?
2: Yeah. I mean uh, our time in Alaska was in, a more paid pastoral role in a church, local church setting, even though Alaska was uh, very different culturally from any place we'd ever been before. You know, it was more of a traditional pastoral role. And, you know, there's 13 years there that, you know, that we were very, very busy and uh, the extremes of that culture and the weather and the dark days and you know, all of those things took its toll on, on our, our marriage and family. And uh, our time kind of came to an end in Alaska in quite dramatic ways, actually. It was, uh, yeah, a bit of a family breakdown. And we had some, uh, yeah, just some time where we were away from one another. And we didn't know whether, you know, our family would make it through uh, that situation. And so it was kind of a... Uh, Time that was a bit of of turmoil with us. We didn't know uh, where this path was leading us, and so uh, at the end of our time in Alaska, it was it was full of kind of uh, reflection and just trying to figure out you know what God was doing with with our family and with ministry and and actually ministry became a mute point at that 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 point because we were just trying to survive, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so. Uh, Yeah, through a lot of uh, soul searching and a lot of counseling, a lot of just uh, searching and seeking God. You know, he was able to really heal our family and heal our relationship. And uh, that became our focus at the end of Alaska. And, And really, it's a kind of a funny story, but it's where God kind of shows up. He continually showed up during that process. And kept guiding each of us individually, and then finally he he brought us all together. We were actually our oldest son was having wisdom teeth surgery, and uh, Lynn and I were were separated at that point. But we felt like it was important to go and support him in that together. So we we were at a time where we were kind of considering coming back together as a family, but we didn't know how that was going to look and. We showed up at the doctor's office with our oldest son. He went into surgery and I commented to Lynn, I said, you look really tired. And she goes, you look really tired too. (laughs) And I said, well, you never, you wouldn't read about it. I said, I've been up all night. I couldn't sleep. And she goes, well, what were you doing? And I said, well, for some reason in my soul, I was drawn to look at real estate in Australia. Like I was just all night just looking at houses that were available and just looking for, for things over there and, and her, her jaw dropped. And she goes, you're kidding. And I said, no. And I said, what were you doing? She goes, I was doing the exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Funny
1: how God makes that happen.
2: (laughs) Up all night looking at houses in Australia. And I was like, Whoa, and so after days of contemplating that, we both really felt the push from God to, yeah, come back together, have a new start, uh move to Australia, not with ministry in mind, but just, just to reconnect as a, a couple and as a family. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of details in that, but we ended up, we did end up moving uh, back here. Um. And we really had committed not to do any kind of ministry work Three, yeah, at, at, I think. Well, for well for a while oh, yeah, you know we it wasn't our intention really. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just to kind of connect as a family and support any local churches that we might be able to to help or encourage in any way that we could and quite frankly in my mind I didn't know that God really could use me anymore in ministry. Um, I was pretty broken pretty full of guilt and shame. And there was some work that God needed to do in my heart and mind to figure that out. But, uh, yeah, after about almost a year and a half, a local couple here in Australia asked us to be a part of a church plant. And we said, no, <laughs> <laughs> we are not going to put that kind of pressure on our life and family again. You know, that, uh, that wasn't something we wanted. Um, uh, but, after seeking the Lord and really redefining how we would do ministry again and how we would do it differently, we really came to a conclusion that yes, we could, you know, God could use us as broken vessels once again. It just kind of, we slowly worked our way back into ministry again and really started to develop that passion again for, for people coming to know Jesus. And yeah, that's kind of where it where it all kind of started?
1: Well, we are on a podcast called The Broken Banquet. And broken being that we as individuals who are broken coming to a table where we sometimes do not see each other as equal individuals around the world, tend to live in broken relationships with each other and tend to live in a broken relationship with God because we are not holding up our end of the bargain. And I think that bears to mentioned that ministry is hard Mm. ministry is really really hard and i know that you know god equips those he calls yes it's true and he never gives you anything much more than you can handle of course not Mm. but ministry is difficult and i'm in a season right now where ministry is very difficult and where if i had the chance to maybe throw in the bag or throw the is that what it's called tail what's the but throw the
2: towel. You,
0: th- you throw in the towel. You could throw the towel into the bag if you wanted to, which then you'd really be calling it quits. Yeah. Let's, let's throw it all in there.
1: <laughs> I never can get the right colloquialism. Like, it just never happens. <laughs> but I mean, all that to say that I'm that I'm in that season of life where I think if, if the opportunity was there and – the next steps were available for me that if God had laid out that path, I'd be ready to throw in the towel um, and, and put this season of ministry behind me. And why is ministry so hard?
0: Yeah. And I think we wouldn't be doing this podcast if somewhere in there, we weren't hopeful that there is a remedy for this brokenness. And that by seeking out the right kinds of relationships and by abiding with one another and with God and by being companions to one another, that we can get through those seasons where throwing the towel in the bag does seem like the absolute best option right now. But, but I think because, I mean, ultimately we know how the story ends, not, like our, our, not mine, not about my story, About the story, right? We know how that ends and there is hope in that. I think if it weren't for that, like we wouldn't be doing this. We wouldn't be having these conversations because what's the point? So I'm, I'm grateful for all three of you who I see in front of me right now and just for your honesty and your vulnerability and for your being able to, to share so openly, you know, between ourselves and also the millions of people that are going to be listening to this because if we weren't telling the truth about stuff, also, there wouldn't be any point in doing it. So thank you for that.
2: Yeah, that's fine. I think, you know, it's, you know, Ashley mentions why is it so hard? And, and we've asked that many times, mm. especially during those times where we felt like we weren't going to make it. But then, you know, the Bible's very clear that God uses our weaknesses for his strength. And we certainly are very weakened and broken vessels but we have seen over and over uh, i think Lynn and I Lynn would agree both of us has really been it's changed us it's changed us for the better you know i think we love more we can certainly understand brokenness in others more
0: mm-hmm.
2: we are full of grace and mercy where we might, not that we weren't before but we are so much more in tune and walk in step with those people who are really struggling and hurting yep uh when when somebody comes to us and and has a story and their story and their journey is is brokenness then we are like yes (laughs) we can relate we can relate and we know what it means and we don't like to tell our brokenness story it's not one of those things that's that's necessarily pleasant for us but we know over and over again god uses he brings it up all the time. He brings it up um, and he wants us to share how he can heal hearts and he can heal families and he can heal marriages and parent relationships. And, you know, and, and if the world needs anything right now, it's for that. Uh, God, I think, wants to. He wants to tell the world how he can bring people together And bring them to himself. Um, And we feel like that's probably the biggest need in the world right now. No matter what country you're in. This idea that everybody's separate. Everybody's polarized. Everybody's kind of just trying to survive. Just like we were. You know, just trying to get through it. Um, And we get that. But at some point, when you turn your heart towards God, He is going to heal that. And He's going to show you how He can heal you and how he can heal the world. And that's it's all about you know our relationships with people, our relationships with him and how he can bring us back into relationship with God again, which is pretty profound when you think about it. It's like everybody's searching for the answers in the wrong places and he just has this very simple way that he can heal us.
0: And it's um, totally countercultural. I mean, at least for—I mean, I realize cultures are different all over the place, but but when I think about like Western North American culture and the individualism and do-it-yourselfness and all that kind of stuff, putting a premium on relationships is countercultural. Putting a premium on being human beings instead of human doings—that's countercultural. But like the truth of the gospel should be countercultural, right? I mean, if the things that, I remember a professor one time saying, if the things we're doing inside the church are making sense to the people outside the church, then something's wrong with what we're doing inside the church.
2: Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, to go back to Ashley's kind of introduction about how we met, I think one of the things that connected us most from from our memory is just that the way she valued relationships was the same as what we value. You know, the, we value the relationships as well and the connections. And yes, you know, many people do ministry in many different ways, and God can use all of those things. Uh, we choose to, the way that we do ministry here is is through connections and relationships. It's a slower way. We're not program-centric and, you know, driven, and uh, we are relationship-driven. And I think that has grown out of our own experience, from where we've come from. And that certainly connected us with Ashley from the very beginning, I think.
1: Well, and I even felt that too when I walked into North Lakes Christian church for the first time, which is the church that y'all became a part of there in Charlestown um, is that walking into that church and that church body, everybody did have that sense of belonging to each other as community and as family and as faith family. I refer to that often as uh, our congregation as a faith family, because I truly believe that if God has brought us together and we have faith and obedience to him, that we have become a family united by him. And I felt that walking into North Lakes because that is the type of culture that you have built at your church.
2: Yeah, well, thank you. I think we work hard on that. I think not everyone in the world is comfortable with that, like uh, Will was saying. Uh, I do think that... Intimacy and openness and vulnerability are not things that people are comfortable with. But that's the community God desires. Um, If you look over and over in the scriptures, it talks about how the community came together and they were sharing among themselves. They were not only sharing physical possessions, but they were sharing their lives. And that just doesn't mean a how do you do or a good day here and a good day there. It means that they were sharing their lives. They were sharing their hurts, uh, their sorrows, their successes, uh, the things that they were celebrating together. I think um, when James talks about when the body came together, they shared the things that they were happy about. They were sharing those things and they were celebrating together. But yet, on the same, in the same token, they were sharing the so, things that they were struggling with, the, the sorrows, the physical ailments, the mental stresses, the broken relationships, all of those were being shared in the community. And it's almost as if the church has become, and I don't know if it's always been a little bit this way, you know, from from early on, from the Reformation, but I think churches have become a place, a building, a you know, churches have become this well, I can't go in there until I look just right, or I feel just right, or I have to project something to that community that I have all my stuff together, when really, we are all broken. And the only way to heal is to really have that vulnerability to share life together. We want our congregation, and it's kind of built into the DNA of the church plant, is that if you're not sharing, with others, if you're not living life with others, and if you're not vulnerable, then you're missing out. You're missing out on the ability for someone to walk that life with you. Um, I mean, when we fall, we don't wanna fall alone. We want to fall and have somebody right there to pick us up and to walk with us.
1: So then I wonder, if we put this in a mission partnership context, would you describe a healthy partnership looking like this too? So, oh, a course. partnership between the Australian church and a U.S. church, a partnership between a mission team here and a mission team there, is that how you would describe it?
2: Definitely, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think we, and I think that's what makes our relationship with Treeport something that's very special and something that's, you know, we note is different. It's that you know you are supporting us as individuals we have that deep intimacy and relationship we have that ability to share and be vulnerable with one another and you need to know and want to know if we're struggling or if we need or you know if we're having a particularly difficult thing happening in our lives you guys can come alongside and yeah the ministry is important and the things that we do is important but it's even more important that you come alongside us and walk this life uh, with us. Um, and it, and that's very, very critical to the support. I mean, being a missionary is, is, if there's missionaries listening to this podcast right now, it's isolating, it's lonely, it's tough. You're doing things that no one else is doing sometimes in your area. Um, and it can be, yeah, it can be really, really tough. And so... Uh, to have missionary partners that come alongside us and visit us and just, you know, encouragement and love. And when they come to visit us, there's no expectation that we're going to wow them with our wonderful programs and wow them with our wonder- all the things that we're doing. But they just se- simply want to, to sit down and have a coffee and chat and open up and be vulnerable with one another. That's very special.
3: Hmm.
2: And I think it's what God intended all along Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we miss it because we're so focused on and driven on whether it's uh, numbers or performance related productivity or you know all those other things you know they they have come and they've overshadowed those little intimate connections and details that really give us life.
0: I have to say I'm pleased with how often the same sort of themes are coming up without Ashley and I instigating it. Like I promise, listener, we do not send talking points to people before we have these conversations. But here we are again talking about how healthy it is from the missionary's perspective to have partners who are maybe less interested in a flashy presentation or you know knocking them out of the park statistics but instead are interested in asking how are you doing how is your family are you resting and how can we be a part of those things with you so then you do feel energized and ready to go and knock it out of the park and be used in the best way possible that God can use you where you are but first how are you how is your soul so it's, it's affirming to me to, to hear from, from different people in completely different contexts who are serving in completely different ways, who are echoing the same kinds of things. And I hope people are going to hear that because I think that really does push back against the mentality that, that a lot of people have of missions is about doing stuff. For us to be a church that is mission-minded, it means we've got this big program and we go do stuff all over the place. And there are times when doing stuff is important and helpful, but that completely overlooks all of these other interpersonal dynamics that are so, so important and give such value to the very thing that your church is trying to create, which is a healthy mission mentality. And I just, I'm grateful to, to hear your perspective and, and not that we we're, we're trying to create an echo chamber because we've heard really challenging things already and, and we'll continue to. So it's not that we want you to just say things we've already said, but when we realize that there are some truths and some threads that are kind of running through this project that we have in mind. Um, I mean, I, I, I feel good about that. Can you guys describe a little bit what, um, sort of church culture in Australia is like these days. I think probably, although uh, here's a side note, Ashley and I found out yesterday because of an email that we got that the broken banquet podcast is the number two religious podcast in New Zealand right now, which is remarkable since we haven't actually released an episode at the time that we're (laughs) recording this current episode. Um, So take that with a grain of salt. But I think most of our listeners will
2: most likely be from the United States. If you look at the statistics, there is no church that's experiencing any growth in Australia. As a matter of fact, it's actually quite the opposite. Um, Christian numbers are going down. Uh, The last census, uh, the number one tick under religion was no religion at all. And so... And that's becoming more and more prevalent in in our society. And I think for your listeners to kind of get an appreciation for religion in Australia or the church, it all began with an institution. It was more of an institutional religion. In other words, when prisoners came over from England, the Church of England came with it. And not that they didn't do great things, but they set up the Church of England as an institution. In other words, in our educational system, the Church of England was set up as the predominant kind of religion of the time. In our government system, the Church of England was was recognized as the, the head institution, their religious establishment. And so from my perspective, and I think you know, Lynn as an Australian might be able to back me up on this, looking at the history of the church in Australia—it all began with an institutional religion, and or the institutional church, and then we've we've kind of never really had a great wave of revival that's ever come through, you know, Australia. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I believe that it's it's become just a part of our culture. It's a part of our nature. It's never really turned into more personal relationship with with God. And mm-hmm. so there's this kind of dynamic that happens here where we talk to people that have relatives that oh yeah, my relatives were, you know, Catholics or my relatives were, you know, this particular denomination or, or system, but they don't really have any kind of connection or context by which they are in a personal relationship with God. It's more of a I am this or I am that. And so that's That's what we get a lot of times is when we're talking with people, you know, seeing where their journey is and where they've come from and what their history is. Oftentimes it's a connection to a particular system or a particular institution rather than a personal relationship with God. And so that's kind of the history. I think if you were to look at the the straight statistics, most people would, would say, yeah, I think God exists but it doesn't really mean anything to their personal daily lives. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really impact them in one way or another, other than just they, they think that there's a God out there. And that doesn't really equate to church attendance or church development in any way. It's, you know, the church attendance here isn't a part of a normal, the normal culture. Even people who are Christians and professing Christians, they may not come to church all that often, 50% of the time, maybe.
3: There's such a huge need. The fact that we've been here for 15 years, by the grace of God, and with the work being really slow, seeing slow results, just being here and, and approaching relationships the way we do, um, hopefully we haven't turned people off, the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's that aspect to it as well. Mm-hmm. And I do think that Rob, you know, especially in the baseball community, you know, people that he's rubbed shoulders with through chapl- being a chaplain with the baseball club and playing and such, I think there's a lot of respect. And I think that's good that we haven't built walls around ourselves that people don't feel like they can, you know, come to us when they have a need. And we look at that as an opportunity to, to share the love of Jesus
0: and you know, i think that's that's becoming more of a like what you experienced is becoming more and more of a reality in places where that didn't used to be the case i mean you know i grew up in the southeast of the united states where everybody went to church just cuz they did you know we talked to hamish and he talked about new zealand being sort of considering itself a post christian nation and having actually had a season of revival when it was kind of off the charts, but now being on the other side of that and how close attention our brothers and sisters in the United States are or are not paying attention to those kinds of trends. I think for some, it's that that reality is maybe starting to, to sink in. I think there's some other places where it's still not the reality and it still is very much just the air that everybody breathes. But to me, it still kind of comes back to your approach, what I've heard you saying so far, that your approach of being in ministry in your community is about building relationships with people. Come into a place where there's either apathy or antagonism and resistance to church, Mm -hmm. then coming into that with like big, loud church, (laughs) it's probably not going to be real effective. But if what you do is come in and just love people like Jesus loves them, um, you know, maybe there's something to that.
2: Yeah.
1: And another way that you do that so well, Rob and Lynn, but Rob, you at school, you're also, you're a church planter by day. No, that's (laughs) wrong. I was going to say you're a church planter by, by anyway. Um, Not only are you a church planter, but you also are a chaplain in elementary schools. Um, so you want to talk about that and your investment into the children there at the school, and and by extension their families, uh, their their relationships there.
2: Yeah, I mean uh, what Will said is true. Our the approach is key and critical. So we've kind of felt like that as we planted this church, we knew people weren't going to visit. You know, we don't have professional musicians. We don't have. We don't have enough budget to, to buy all the, the equipment that it takes to put on that kind of excitement every week. And so looking at the Bible, we kind of felt like, well, what, what's our calling? What's What are we going to do? And we knew people weren't going to just show up at the community center every week just because we're there. We have to actually start doing ministries and connecting with community in ways where we can actually get out into the community and and that really fostered and drove our program of looking at well what do we do how do we get out there and you know two of our biggest things that we do is chaplaincy and teaching scripture in the public school and so that gets us out there every single week and we're meeting you know all hundreds of people and and supporting them and loving them and connecting with them and being in relationship with them Uh, The chaplaincy program in particular uh, that I am involved with is basically you go to school every day, you support and love students, um, you know, and and come alongside of students that are particularly vulnerable or actually had a bad day or maybe they've lost a pet or a loved one or they're not assimilating in school and making friends very well. And so Mm -hmm. you get the opportunity to sit down with them and talk to them about that at, at their most vulnerable point as a primary school student (laughs) you know um their problems don't seem like they are very serious to us as adults but when they lose a pet or they can't make friends at school those are huge life changing problems and they feel them deeply and so i get to be involved in sitting down with them and Mm -hmm. supporting them praying with them and just saying hey it's going to be okay um these are problems we all face, you know, and, and we've all had to go through. And let me walk with you a little while while you get through this difficulty. So that's kind of been our way of doing that. We've been able to, to support parents of those of those students, and we've been able to, yeah, really support hundreds of, of students through that uh, those difficult things, which has been a really, really big honor and it's really a ministry of presence. I really love that kind of term, that, I, that idea of just being able to sit with someone in their difficulty um, mm-hmm. and listen, you know, and give them a sympathetic ear and, and know that, hey, this guy, this old bald guy, who's a chaplain at my school, he listened to me when I really needed someone to listen to me. And guess what? He was a christian Hmm. um he was a christian guy and this must be what christians do um so you know step by step slowly we are infiltrating the culture and helping them to understand who christians are and what they do and Hmm. and maybe that will you know in their future that will i know god works you know god will work on that those are seeds that are planted and god will cause those seeds to grow and as they grow maybe they will lean into god at some point in their life and we're really really excited and honored to be able to do that for kids
1: ah the ministry of presence is one of my favorite Phrases I, Henry Nowen may have coined it. I don't know who really did or not, but but it's so biblical because every time I think of Jesus in the Gospels, we see him sitting with friends, we see him eating with his friends, we see him listening um, and responding to those. Not just not just listening to respond, but listening to understand mm-hmm. and uh, and to relate with them and how great it is when I see both of you in the context of your ministry being able to be so present with the people who are around you. When I'm with you, you are so engaged and present with me. When we were in Italy together with all of our global mission partners, you were present with them. Everyone was flocking to you because they understood that you understood the value of relationship and the value of just being together and it's a beautiful thing to see it's a beautiful thing to see other people to respond to that and it's a beautiful to see them come to know jesus because of that and i think that that's something that both of you do extremely well
0: so we usually ask people if there's anything that they thought we were going to ask them that we didn't ask them that they would like to share with us, was there anything that you guys were, you know, just on pin, pins and needles waiting for that curveball that we were <laughs> going to throw at you, or, uh, or something that that you would love for people to know about, about you, about your ministry, about Australia?
3: I was hoping that you would ask how did how did we end up back here and you did thank you will that was was good because because we as rob said we don't always share about alaska unless we're asked Hmm. or unless we're invited to but it's sort of picking and choosing and and and, and letting the lord guide you well
0: guys thank you so much for taking time out of your morning it's your morning it's our afternoon but but we appreciate you Uh, spending this time with us and and sharing so openly and honestly with us. We really, really appreciate that. And uh, we love you all and the work that you are doing in your community. And uh, it's a blessing for me and for my family to feel connected to you guys. And so I thank you
2: for adding to that by being on the Broken Banquet.
0: Thank you.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for just giving us a little bit of time.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. We sure do love you. And it's just good to see your faces. And I know our listeners can't see your faces, but I'm happy to see your faces. And I can't wait to hug you again in person soon. Amen.
0: <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye,
1: guys. Bye. Oh, Will. Wow. I love Rob and Lynn Branham with my whole heart. I love them to pieces. I love everything about them. Their authenticity, their honesty. They were able to share how they struggled um, and and coming through to the other side, how they've trusted uh, Jesus to walk with them through so many different situations. I truly love their hearts, and I count myself so privileged to call them friends.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful for the community that they're in that gets to have them there and get to know people who have, they've been through it. And they've come through it. And to have that perspective when you're know, offering guidance to people in the community is just, that's priceless. So uh, thankful for them for sharing so honestly. Thankful for you um, and for your honesty. And look forward to the next time that we get to be together.
1: Right. One of the things that is so prevalent about who they are in their ministry is the ministry of presence. The ministry of presence is something that they bring to the table. When I'm sitting with Rob and Lynn, I feel like the most important person in the world. There is such genuineness and care and connection, and they don't do that with just me. They offer it to every single person that they encounter. That ministry of presence is so important because they're giving the best gift that they can give, and that's the gift of themselves. And so if I take one thing from Rob and Lynn, it's cultivating that ministry of presence and learning how to be with people, truly abide with people.
0: Yeah. And what a gift that that's something that just comes so naturally to them. You know, Mm -hmm. you can, I think you can sort of tell when someone is trying to make you feel that way, but when it's so effortless and natural and genuine, it's just, it's a gift. It really is a gift to feel like you are being seen and heard by this person that's in front of you. So.
1: There was a reason why in Italy everyone was drawn to them and they constantly had someone sitting in front of them. So,
0: yeah. good. Thank you, Robin Lynn. All right, Ashley. Good to see you.
1: You too, Will. Have a great day.
0: All right. See you soon.
1: All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Broken Banquet, a podcast by Will Bailey and Ashley Goad. Music provided by Irene and the Sleepers. Join us next week for another episode. He's prepared the table. All things are ready. Come to the feast.